What's up, Bridge Ministry? How we doing? There we go. I like that. I like that, and I'm excited to be back and here with you tonight. Some of you are like, what do you mean be back? When were you ever here? Um, <laughs> I was here a couple years ago as a leader uh, with Pastor PJ, and so there are some familiar faces that after Pastor John's exhortation, you might be gone tomorrow, but it's good to see you guys here, and I'm excited to, to preach the word with you tonight, but I want to start off by telling you a story about uh, my childhood. So I grew up as an only child uh, in the house, and uh, as any other only child and toddler, I was curious, and so I was always into stuff, uh, and my mom would constantly tell me, Stop climbing on that. Stop touching that. Don't eat that. Don't do that. Don't go over there. Stay right here. Don't touch that. All the time. All the time. So I would have this wisdom. I would have my mother telling me what not to do. Well, there was one day when I was uh, about three years old. Uh, she was in the bathroom, and she was doing her hair and uh, using a curling iron. And for the men that don't know what a curling iron is, it's, it's a handle, and then it's just hot iron after that. And women place that on their head and do a work and <laughs> stuff starts spinning. Um, so anyway, she was doing that. And so she had this curling iron there and she sees me and she says, Kellen, don't touch this. And I said, fair enough. All right. I won't touch it. But to me, that just means don't touch it right now. Not when you leave. So of course she left the bathroom and uh, my three-year-old mind said, I want to touch that. I want to see what that's all about. Uh, and so I walk up to it, and I proceed to grab it. Uh, but I, was, I thought I was a smart kid. I grabbed the handle. I wasn't silly enough to grab the hot iron. I can see that. Uh, but I saw my mom curling her hair, and I thought as a three-year-old, I'm going to see if I can curl my hair. Right? <laughs> so I grab the handle, as you're supposed to do, and I decide to put that hot curling iron on the top of my head and let it rest. <laughs> ah! Yeah, that burn. So if you're wondering why, I, why I'm bald, that, no, I'm just kidding. It, <laughs> it, it, it has nothing to do with that, uh, but I did get burned. I did get burned. I just, I'm just bald. That's no reason behind it. Um, but unfortunately, look, at the same time, as we grow up, we still have that same curiosity that resides within us as we grow up, as we become teenagers, as we become young adults, our minds are still curious and we still have the tendency to go against what we've been told not to do because we just want to try it out for ourselves. We want to see if it's going to work out because it, it seems like it'd work out right for us. You know what? These people that are older than me, these people that uh, are trying to tell me not to do things, they just don't want me to have fun, right? We have these, these thoughts in our minds and you have the decision to make a choice that's right or a choice that's wrong um, a lot throughout the day. I don't know if you realize this, but you make almost 35,000 decisions a day on average. The average adults make 35,000 decisions. That's a lot of decisions just to be thinking about. And a lot of those choices deal directly with, am I going to do something that's honoring to God or am I going to do something that is dishonoring to God. We just don't think about it that way. And so some of them are big, but uh, some of them are smaller. Some of you made some decisions to come here this evening. You thought to yourself, should I go to the bridge or should I just, you know, sit this one out or should I just go hang out with my friends? And I'm thankful that you made the decision to show up here and you're here tonight. Some of you get into small groups here and there and you think to yourself, I wonder, should I, I really share that sin that it's really been bothering me? that people are asking me, how's my life going? How, uh, what can they be praying for? And do I really want to give them that one sin? 
Or should I just give them the one that seems okay? I just, I just want to study my Bible more. Really? That's it? That's it? Anything going wrong in your life? Uh, you know what? I just want to wake up earlier if you can pray for that. But we all know deep down inside there's that sin that we all have that we need to get out there. It's just a matter of are we going to decide to actually share that one or not? Are we going to be honoring to God and allow him to work in the people that he's placed around us to help us fight that sin or not? And there's much bigger ones as well. There's much bigger ones that have long-term consequences. The decisions that you make today will affect in the next year, five years, 10 years, and 20 years, uh, big decisions, big consequences. Um, some of those decisions that you're making today, right? Uh, we just don't think about it that way. But the great part about being here with the bridge is you have great leaders, you got a great pastor, you got people that love and care about you that'll give you wisdom on right decisions to make in your life and things that will be honoring to God. Really, when it comes down to it, when it boils down at the end of the day, the choice is, are you going to do it or not? I mean, that's truly what it is. It's like you, 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 don't, you have enough wisdom. It's not an intellectual thing. It's not a, hey, I didn't know I shouldn't do that. Because even if you didn't know, you have the opportunity to go seek out wisdom. But it all boils down to, are you going to do it or not? Right? Are you going to do it or not? And so uh, as we get ready to open up back into the book of Proverbs, and Proverbs 1, starting in verse, Proverbs 1, starting in verse 8, you can go ahead and open there. What I love about this passage is, Solomon makes it very clear that we have a lot of decisions that go on in our life, and we have the choice. We can choose righteousness or we can choose evil. Righteousness or evil. The choice is very simple. It's very clear, and he lays it out beautifully here. And I love this passage because it allows us to see the decisions that we make today, the decisions that you and I make today, especially you and being in this critical time in your life. You're in early stages of adulthood. You're making decisions now for the future. They can have long-term consequences if we don't take them serious, if we don't think about them enough, if we don't use the wisdom that we're getting to make these decisions. So let's start in verse 8, and we're going to read through verse 33. Follow with me says this, hear my son, your father's instruction. So just to jump in right there, you're going to keep hearing that each chapter, all the way to chapter seven. It's this parental wisdom. Hear my son, hear my son, hear my son. Solomon is talking. He's saying, hear my son, your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for the blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil. And they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is the net spread in the sight of any bird. That might sound confusing, but what he's saying there is, you know, if you have a bird that's flying and you put up a big net, a bird is smart enough to get, get its way around it. But he says this about men. He says, but these men, they don't see that, right? They lie and wait for their own blood. So they don't even see that they're running into a trap. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away life of its possessors. Wisdom cries aloud in the street, 
in the market, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gate, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in the scoffing of fools and hate knowledge? If you turn away at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called you and you have refused to listen, I have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof. I also would laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despise all of my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. Back in the 1980s, when Ronald Reagan was president, his wife, Nancy Reagan, started a campaign. There was a huge drug epidemic that was going on around the country. And so she started a campaign, and the campaign slogan was, just say no. Just say no. And that evolved and morphed into the D.A.R.E. program that many of you had in your high schools. But it started with that simple program of just say no. It had a huge effect initially. Right out of the gates, people were understanding that this was a problem, right? People saw the issue that it was and the danger that the drugs brought. But then, of course, over a period of time, they saw the issue. But then, as we know in Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful and it's wicked, right? And so they started using the drugs more. And so people criticized Nancy Reagan because they said, look, you made it way too simple, way too simple. And all you did was open people's eyes to it, and now it's, a, it's more of a problem. And I would say I agree. I agree because, again, they're, they're trying to fight against their own flesh. And when you try to fight a battle of sin with just flesh, you'll lose every time, every single time. But when you are in Christ, here's the beautiful thing about being in Christ. You're not fighting alone. You're no longer fighting alone, but you have the spirit within you, the help of the spirit, right? 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But he will provide a way of escape. So there's no temptation that will overcome you when you have the spirit. So I love that slogan when you insert having the spirit with you. Because you can say, you can just say no. Simple as that. You can just say no to temptation because you have a solution. When you're fighting it by yourself, you're going to lose that battle. And I love that. Simple, great reminder. And even for us, when we have that temptation of sin come in our life, just say no. No. And that's number point. That's number point. Wow. <laughs> Whoop. Let's get those words right. That's point number one this evening for us is say no to sin's appealing temptation. Say no to sin's appealing temptation. 
Look, like in verses 8 and 10, the great part, like I said, about being in this church, being in this ministry, you've heard it. You've been taught. Some of you have been taught by your parents since uh, a young age about sin and about righteousness and about trusting in Christ and being indwelt with the Spirit and being able to live through this life having hope. You've been taught that. If you haven't been taught that growing up, I know you hear it now. I know you hear it now. So it's not a matter of, like I said, a head knowledge because like in verses 8 through 10, Solomon's saying, look, you, you, you hear this. You hear this already from your mother and your father. And all you need to do is say no. Say no. Well, Pastor Kellen, you don't understand. There's a lot of pressure. Look, I get it. I get it. You're going to be outcasted from friend groups. You're going to be, you know, called lame. You're going to be called boring, and you're missing out on life, and you're going to be called a loser, whatever it is, right? All of those things, that's going to happen to you when you follow Christ. But guess what? I'd much rather be called a loser in this life and be victorious in the next than be called a, a, a winner in this life and lose it for eternity. Much rather be called a loser in this life. But give me victory in the next life. I'll take it all day long. And Paul spends much of his ministry telling Christians that, warning them about this unrighteous path that's out there, that the world is trying to get you to do and your flesh is trying to get you to do. I mean, think about that. You got every morning you wake up, you're battling against the world and your flesh. You're already at a disadvantage. And so if you don't have the spirit within you, if you don't have God's word, if you don't have prayer, if you don't have accountability and all those things, look, you're, you're, you're lost. You're in a lose-lose battle. But again, you have that hope. You have that support in the Spirit. And with the Spirit, we can overcome any of these sin temptations. But jot this passage down. You don't have to turn there. But Romans 16, verses 17 through 20. This is Paul talking to the Romans again. He says this. He says, I appeal to you, brothers. Watch out for those who cause division and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Then he says, avoid them. Avoid them. Not hang around a little bit or, you know, just be their friend. Be not, no, avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, he's telling the Romans, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent, meaning be pure to what is evil. Resist that. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. So he's telling us that right there. He's saying, look, people are going to use these flattering words. They're going to make it seem like everything is good with their sinful plan. It's going to sound appealing, and it's going to sound like something you should do, and that's something that's going to bring you joy. But Paul's saying avoid that. Avoid that. It's coming, but avoid that. Just say no to those temptations. It's simple. But in the end, it's not always that easy. I get it. So that's why Solomon gives us more insight and more detail on why we need to avoid it. I mean, just look at that in, in verse 10. He says, I love that word. My son, if sinners entice you, right, they lure you in, they, 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 they flirt with you to come to their side, to do their sinful ways, do not consent, right? If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. I mean, think of those words, come with us, right? Just come on. 
just come on over here, right? I, it, trust me, just come on. It sounds like they have a plan, right? And while in this passage he's talking about criminals, right? I, I, I assume you're not hanging around with people that are killing people, so I don't have to touch on that. If so, stop hanging around people that are going to kill people. Um, that's not good. Uh, but if, if we relate more to what's going on in your life, th- this appeal that you have, Satan's making that custom made for you. You understand that, right? Like Satan knows you so well, he's going to give you a temptation that's so appealing, so so appealing to your desire, to exactly what you want to do. It's not a, just a, a broad stroke, you know, you, I don't want that, right? It's going to be something that seems appealing to you. It almost seems right. That's what he's going to do to you, right? And sometimes in your life, it, it, it's your friends that appeal to you and say, come on, come on over here. Just have one more drink. Just have, just have a drink, right? The Bible says, you know, don't be, you, just, you just can't be drunkards. That's sin. You can have a drink. Just have a drink, right? The sinners are going to tell you, just come on over here, right? Just, just smoke with me one time. If you don't like it, I, I won't bother you again. I, I'll, I'll leave you alone. Come on, man. We're having a good time. Just come smoke with us, right? If you're in a relationship, sinners are going to tell you, you know what? We're kissing. We love each other, right? Let's, let's move it to the next step. Let, let's, let's get some physicality in here. We, we got self-control. We won't cross the line. But let's take, a, let's take it a step further. Right? If you get a job, sinners are going to tell you, hey, just come on over here. Just cut this corner right here. Right? I, I know it seems immoral a little bit, but guess what? You just cut that corner. Ten people have done it before us, and they didn't get caught, and now they're rich, man. They got money. Just cut that one corner. Everything will be okay. Ladies, sinners will tell you, hey, if you just show a little bit more skin, You'll get any guy you want to get, right? You don't need to be modest. I mean, you don't have to be, you don't have to show everything, but, you know, you can shorten it up a little bit and you'll get whatever guy you want to get, right? They'll tell us things like on Sunday night, come, come on over here, hang with us. You, you went to the bridge last week. Are you really going to go every week? I mean, they're in Proverbs. You can catch the next proverb, right? Come on over here. Come hang out with me. You see, it, it, it's all a failed plan, right? All these plans that sinners have that seem so logical to our flesh, they all end in destruction. And you don't, have to, you don't have to search too far. I mean, just look at the people's lives that are trying to tell you, hey, come on over here, right? If you peel the onion layer back, most of them are miserable. They're depressed. They're anxious. They're angry. But yet they're telling you that this plan right here is going to work. It's, it's like if you, you know, you take financial advice from a homeless person, right? I, I mean, no, no shade on homeless people. Like, I, I wish they would get a, a house or something, but seriously, though, <laughs> seriously. Like, if you have a homeless person t- telling you, hey, let me, sh- let me tell you how to spend your money, you might scratch your head saying, what happened to you? Did you not take? It's the same thing, right? When we have these sinners that their life is in shambles. And they're just struggling through life. But then they tell you, hey, this is, this is the best plan. This one's going to work. Right? All you got to do is peel the onion layer back. Look at their life. That party might look nice. It might seem appealing. But then they're stressed out the next day. Right? Ephesians 5.11 tells us, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. You got a friend? 
That's a sinner around you that's constantly telling you, you're trying to, come over here, let's do this. You tell them, come on over here, let's talk about Christ. Right? Let's talk about something that has some eternal value. Let's talk about something that after we get done doing it, I don't have to worry about, okay, where, where's my next high? Where's my next drink? Where's the next party? Where's the next? No, I got something that's going to give you hope for eternity. Expose them. Back in our passage, verses 15 through 19, my son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is the net spread in the sight of any bird, but these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away life of the possessors. It takes away life. Look, they're going in a completely different direction. Completely different direction. If you're following Christ, they're going the opposite direction. It's, it's like if you're playing sports and, you know, your team is on offense and you're drawing up offensive plays and then all of a sudden you try to hear a defensive play. It, it just doesn't make sense. Their whole scheme, their whole strategy, their whole plan is opposite. It might sound good. Right? The defensive plan might sound good, but if you're on offense, it does you no good. It's a completely different plan. And that's what sinners are doing. If you're focused on Christ, they're trying to get you to go the other way. And we can't do that. Uh, we're going to work in our Bible a little bit this evening. Uh, turn to one, Psalm 119. If you've got a physical Bible, it's about 30 pages back. If you've got a log out, it's good for you. Click, 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 you're there. Psalm 119, verse 101. It says this, and I want you to interact with me a little bit here when I tell you to. I hold back my feet from every evil way. What are those next three words? Let's do it again. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. In order to, in order to, that means you, you, you can't do two things at once. I hold back my feet from evil so that I can keep your word. If my feet aren't held back from evil, if I'm pursuing evil, I cannot keep God's word. You can't have both. You cannot do both. And we don't, we don't think about this often enough. When we pursue evil, when we make those evil choices that go against what God wants us to do, we're basically telling God, hey, God, if I carry that same sports analogy, I'm on your team on offense, but I want to go try this defensive team out real quick, but I'll be back. That's what we're telling God, in a sense. We're saying, hold my spot, please. I'm going to go test this out and see how fun that team is, and then, you know, I'll be back, though, Right? But here's where it, it ends up. Verses 18 and 19 back in our passage, it ends up in destruction, right? Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of the possessors. It takes away life when we pursue evil. Every one decision that you make towards evil is taking away life. Taking away life from us. So you want to risk running plays on the other team? I wouldn't suggest it. 
Because every time you run the risk of saying, hey, God, I'll be right back. I'm going to go play for this team. At some point in time, he's going to fill that spot. He's going to close that door. You're going to say, I'm going to run and play on this team and try it out for a little bit. And then you're going to try to come back, and it's going to be too late. It's going to be too late. And he tells us that back in our passage. Let's pick that up and read, read that a little bit. Starting in verse 20. Proverbs 1, verse 20. It says, wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the market, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gate, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing? And fools hate knowledge. If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. I'm going to stop right there and then we'll continue on here in just a minute. But look at this wisdom personified is, is, is trying to get the attention of three fools, three fools, right? Three fools that are listed, simple ones, scoffers, and fools. Trying to get the attention, right? Cry, crying out, yelling, screaming, don't do that. Turn this way, turn this way, turn towards righteousness. She's trying to get their attention, but they don't listen. And it says that in verse 23, it says, if, contingency, if you turn at my reproof, means if you turn when this rebuke, this correction comes, if you turn, then what will happen? Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. So only if you turn, only if you repent, we hear that word, right? Only if you repent and start following Christ, then you will get wisdom. Until then, you don't have it. You can become wise. Look, every decision that you make has consequences, whether you know it or not. Every decision has a consequence. Some of them we make on autopilot, but every decision has consequences. And what I want us to understand here is the more and more you want wisdom and you ask for wisdom, the way you get it is you pursue righteousness. And the way that we need to think is we need to pursue righteousness today. It's not when I get older. It's not when I get out of college. It's not maybe next month. It's not when the fall semester starts. It's right now. Right now we need to choose the path of righteousness. And that's point number two for us this evening is choose the path of righteousness today. Choose the path of righteousness today. You have an opportunity today. Before you leave out tonight, you have the opportunity to choose righteousness for your life. Before the end of the night, you're going to have decisions that you're going to have to make that are plain and clear. Righteousness or evilness. And you're going to have to choose. But it won't be because you haven't heard wisdom or counsel from people before. It won't be because of that. You've heard that before. But you have to make that choice. Turn with me to Isaiah 55, verses 6 and 7. Isaiah 55, verses 6 and 7. Isaiah 55, 6 and 7 says this. Interact with me again. Seek the Lord. What are those next five words? Seek the Lord 
There we go. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him. What are those next four words? Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Right? Let the wicked forsake his ways. Let the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. He will abundantly pardon. Right? So God, that word pardon, he will forgive. You seek him, he will forgive. He'll forgive all your wrongs. He'll forgive all of those things. But you must repent and put your faith in Christ. But you must seek him first. You got to get rid of the evil ways and he will pardon. But I want to pull out those words that I had you say. While he is still near. While he is still near. So that means there will come a point in time where he is no longer available for you to seek out. He's no longer available. And so as we think about, as young adults, right, you might have the tendency, because I still do, and I was there before, it's like, ah, you know what, I'll, I'll do that later in life. Right? I got time. Especially right now, you think about your life, you're like, oh, I got a long life ahead of me, right? I got time. No, we need to have an urgency, an urgency. I love quoting this stat, but it's 155,000 people die every day. 155,000 people die. And guess what? I, I bet probably, what, 95% of them had plans just like you and I. For tonight, for tomorrow, for the next day, they're gone. They're gone. And so there must be an urgency about repentance or it will be too late in two, one or two ways. Either you will die, your death will come because Last time I checked, none of us know when that day will be. It could be tomorrow. It could be next week. It could be in 10 years. It could be in 20 years. We don't know. We don't know. Or we get to a point, as Paul tells us in Romans 1, where God will turn you over to your sin. Right? Eventually, he's talking about the unrighteous. You want sin? Have at it. You can have it. Right? He turns people over to their sins. That can happen. If we don't seek righteousness with urgency today, today, right now. Right? If we look at verses 24 through 31, back in Proverbs, it says, Because I have called you and you refuse to listen, if stretched out my hand and no one has heeded, because you have ignored my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and when calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish comes upon you, then they will call upon me. But guess what? I, I won't answer. They will seek me diligently. Lord, I need you now. I, I need you. I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. They won't be able to find me. Why? Because they hated knowledge. When I told you when you had the opportunity to, right, when that preacher kept preaching to you, repent, repent, repent and follow Christ, but you wanted to say, I'll try this out a little longer. Eventually, God's going to turn you over to it. They did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel, and they despise all of my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. They refuse to listen, refuse it, right? You ignore it. There's going to come a time in your life where you're going to desperately need God, 
you're going to desperately cry out to him. God, help me, please. I know you're there. As a kid, I was told about you. Now I need you. And if you keep playing with that, hoping that he's going to always be there, he says he's not going to be available. Not going to be there. Well, that wouldn't, that wouldn't happen to me, right? God's loving and merciful. He's, he's always there. Right? He's just waiting on me to run back to him and give him a hug, right? He's always there. The Bible wouldn't tell us that if that wasn't true. Let's turn to Luke. Let's go to Luke 13. Luke 13, verse 24. See an example of that. Jesus himself talking about that. Luke 13, verse 24, says this. It's a narrow door passage. Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek and enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us, then he will say to you, I don't know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and taught in your streets. Look, we went to Compass Bible Church. We went to the bridge. Right, we served in ministries. We knew all of our wanna verses growing up. God, you know me. You, right? 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 No. But he'll, he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you came from. Depart from me. All you workers of what? Evil. All you workers of evil. Right? We don't like to think of ourselves as evil. I'm not an evil person. If you don't have Christ, we're evil. We're all evil. Apart from Christ, every one of us in here, 100% are evil. And the only reason we're made good is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Only. But if you don't have Christ, you're stuck as workers of evil outside the door. God will not answer. Guys, we got to think about that more and ponder on that more. Those evil decisions that you're making. If you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that life that you're living could come to an end and you'll be stuck outside the door for eternity. All for what? A party? A relationship? A good time that ended? All of it. Like Solomon tells us, is vanity. But look, I, it looks so appealing. I get it. All sin looks appealing. That's Satan's job, and he's very good at it because he knows each and every one of you and knows exactly what you desire in life, and he'll package it up. And it looks good on the surface, but inside is destruction. It's destruction. Look, even some of you are experiencing this right now. Right now, you're experiencing God not answering you through prayer. Right? Because you're, you're so focused on evil deeds and, and doing things of the world, you're praying out to God like we're telling you to pray. Well, I am praying. I'm praying. It doesn't seem like God's answering me. He may not be answering you because you're not seeking him. You're trying to do this double life of living with the world, but yet wanting the benefits of Christ. It doesn't work like that. James tells us that in James 4.3. You ask and you do not receive you because you ask wrongly. How are you asking? To spend it on your own pleasures. It has nothing to do with God. 
You might dress it up like it's about God, but it has nothing to do with God. You're asking to spend it on your own pleasures, to continue pursuing the world, but yet you want God to help you with things, and he may not be answering you. So you want to know what's happening in your prayer life? It's worth examining that. Are you truly seeking God? Because if, if you're not, he may not be answering you. I'm a Christian, though. right? He, he promised not to forsake me. Look, yes, but it doesn't matter if you're in college, if you're a small group leader, if you're a pastor. We must not presume upon God's grace. Right? Paul tells us that in Romans 6. Right? He makes it very clear. Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? You know what those next words say? By no means. Absolutely not. We can't. Because one, if we're in Christ, it's not in our nature. We just want to seek righteousness. You're still going to have those temptations, but we need to pursue righteousness. And look, at the end of the day, I know you all have friends that are non-Christians and friends that have a tendency to say, hey, come on over here and do this with me and have fun. Like, they act like they care about you, but they're going in different directions, so they can't really care about you when it comes to Christ. But you, you, you hang around sinners long enough, you get pulled into that, what they're doing. It's easier for a sinner to pull you down than it is for you to pull a sinner up. It just is. I'm not saying don't hang around people that are not Christians because they need Christ. You need to witness to them. You need to evangelize. But what I am telling you is don't go around people continuing to give the same old stuff. Well, I'm just I'm trying to be a witness to them. Look, if you haven't shared Christ with them and you've hung out with them 10 times, you probably need to move on. Right? Because your whole point in hanging out with a non-Christian friend should be to help them see Christ to share the gospel with them, not to just hang around with them and hopefully, you know, by your presence, they get saved. That doesn't work. They're going to pull you down quicker than you can pull them up. Choose the path of righteousness today while God has it available. Before it's too late. Before it's too late. Let's go back to our passage. We've got two verses remaining. Verse 32 says this. For the simple are killed. Again, simple means foolish. For the simple are killed by their turning away. They're turning away from God, continuing to pursue that foolish life, that worldly life that we all have in front of us. And the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. I mentioned this earlier, but you may not realize this, but the decisions that you are making today have consequences for the future. Big time consequences for the future. I mean, just think about a situation like financial situation, financial decisions that you have to make for colleges. How much debt are you going to rack up? And you can be paying on that debt for 10, 15 years, right? How you're spending your money. Are you working on savings right now? If not, then you might be broke five years from now still, right? The decisions that you make today impact the future. Think about relationships, friends that you hang around. Oh, yeah, they're definitely going to influence your young adult life. Relationships that you have, they're definitely going to influence, for good or bad, your young adult life. Your spiritual life, your spiritual disciplines today 
are going to affect the next year, three years, five years. You're either going to be in the same position that you are in the next year, three years, five years, or you're going to get a head start and you're going to be ahead in knowing the wise decisions and knowing how to pursue godliness because you're in the word, you're studying, you're praying, you got a healthy prayer life, you got accountability. I'll tell you right now, most people your age, they don't want nothing to do with it. They want a free life and they want to do whatever they want to do. It's not worth it. It's not. The things that you do today, the decisions that you make have significant impact on your life. And all I'm trying to say is instead of just going with the flow and being on autopilot, I want you to spend more time really evaluating and examining the decisions that you make today. And I'm not trying to give you analysis paralysis by saying, like, I, I don't know, should I write that note down or should I not? Should I, should I lean to the left? Should I not? Look, you don't have to get crazy about it. But I'm just saying you need to think more about the decisions that you are making when it comes to godliness or things that are not godly because they will have long-term implications on it. And know that those choices that you make to seek God and, 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 have, and seek righteousness today, they provide joy and a hope. Meanwhile, your friends that are seeking worldliness, they're scrambling, trying to find something to hold on to that gives them joy, that gives them a peace that they will never find outside of Jesus Christ. So I just think we can be secure knowing that if we pursue righteousness, there's a lot of hope behind that. And that's point number three for us this evening is be secured knowing righteousness leads to hope. Be secured knowing righteousness leads to hope. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God, all to the glory of God, right? That, that should just be everything that we choose in life. Every decision that we make should have a filter in our mind of, is this pleasing to God or is it not? Is it pleasing to God or is it not? That's what should go through your head in just about every decision that you make. Even if it's painful, even if that decision is painful, just know. You can know that it has hope in the end, right? It, it, a loss of a friendship. You break up with a boyfriend or a girlfriend for good reasons because it was honoring to Christ. Look, you got hope in the end. God will provide. He will sustain you. There's hope as opposed to you trying to force the relationship knowing that it's not right. Yeah, you're going to miss out on things. People are going to stop calling you. Because, you know, you bring their fun level down. Because you're like, oh, are we drinking? I don't want to drink. Oh, dude, you don't want to drink? Why not? Uh, never mind. We just won't call them next time. Well, that's okay. It might be painful that you don't get as many calls as you used to to hang out. But guess what? You have hope in the end because it doesn't lead to a life of destruction. Right? You're unable to get that job that you want, that job that pays really well because, you know what, it, morally it's probably not the right job to have. Look, I get it. Gas prices are $20 a gallon now. You, you might want that job. It's tempting to have that job. It might be painful to not have that job, but guess what? You have hope in the end because you've chosen righteousness over wickedness and worldliness. Verse 32 says, for the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. The simple are killed it leads to the road of destruction, right? The fool's road leads to destruction. And I love that word complacency. That word complacency, that means I'm fine. 
uh, you know what, I, I'm, I'm good right now. I'm good. I'll, I'll check it out later. Right. Everything's okay in life. That's that complacency, that, 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 that feeling of, you know what, I'll get to it after college. I'll get to it later on in my life. That feeling of, I, I'm okay right now. You're not okay right now. You're not okay. You're not okay because complacency destroys you. Every day that you're complacent, every day that you allow to go past where you say, you know what, I don't know if I'm ready to give my life to Christ. I'm still having a little fun. Every day is another day lost. And that window gets shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter until it's no longer there. It's closed. You're standing outside of the door, knocking, wanting to get in, and God's saying it's too late. And that can come by death or they can come by him just saying, look, I'll turn you over to your sins. And you won't even want to seek me. Because he's the one that gives us the heart to seek him in the first place. And he'll say, I'll, I'll cut that off. You won't want to seek me. You'll be so in love with your sin, you'll think that that's good enough. We've got to have some urgency. Urgency. Don't be complacent. But here's verse 33. I love it that verse 33 ends this way. It says, but whoever listens to me will dwell securely and will be at ease. Ease, that means this life's going to be easy? No. No, because as a Christian, guess what? This life gets harder because everybody seems to be against you, but that's okay. Why? Because we have the hope in the end, right? It leads to hope. Leads to hope in the end, and you will be at ease without the dread of disaster, the destruction. Look, everything in this life will come to an end. Everything, all these material things that people post on Instagram or post on Facebook to make it seem like their life is so great, all that stuff will burn down. Twitter will burn down. I don't care what Elon Musk does, it will go, right? All of that, it will go away. The only thing that transcends is Christ. And one of my favorite quotes in poems is from the British missionary C.T. Studd. It says, it says, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then, in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only what's done for Christ will last. We need to think more about that. Think more about the decisions that you make and the long-term implications, the long-term consequences that they all have. Decisions that you are making tonight, decisions that you are making tomorrow, they have eternal value, either towards Christ or away from Christ. There's, there's no middle ground, right? You're either going towards them or away. And if you're standing still, you're going backwards. You just are. I'm so fired up that you guys are going through this series, honestly. It's great. It's great. When I think about I mean, it's great for anybody, but thinking about where you are in life, the decisions that you're having to make, because most of you are making big decisions now, right? You're thinking about your own finances. You're thinking about college co courses to take, what college to go to, um, relationships. Should I get married? Should I not get married? All of these are big decisions that will impact the rest of your life. And I love it that you're going through this, that Pastor PJ selected this, because Proverbs makes it very simple. From here on out, it's going to talk about here's the path of righteousness and its results. Here's the path of evil and its destruction. But you choose. You choose. It makes it very simple. Very simple. And here's what's 
the kicker, and you already know this, the path of righteousness is worth it in the end. It's worth it. It doesn't even compare. And I want to exhort you to conclude because I went to college, of course, and I didn't have the opportunity that all of you have now. Right? I was not a believer in college, and so I lived the college life. All that you're thinking of with the college life, yes, I was an athlete. All of that that comes with it, took advantage of all of it. All of it. Fun. It caused a lot of problems, right? It, it might seem fun on the surface, but guys, it's not worth it. Hear me when I say that. It's, none of it is worth it. If I could go back and do it again, I, I wouldn't do any of it, but I am thankful that God allowed me to progress and even look back on that and see how gracious he was, how merciful he was. Because Lord knows I don't deserve what he's given. None of us do, but I know I certainly don't. None of it is worth it. Well, Kellen, you're a pastor now, so it seems like it, it worked out okay. Guys, don't bank on that. Another 15, 20 plus years after college is not guaranteed for you. It's not. While you're thinking you got all this time, it can come to an end. And all I'm just asking you to do and begging you to do is avoid finding out the hard way. Because it leads to destruction every single time. In the path of righteousness, while it might not seem fun in this life, guess what? For eternity, it's going to be more than fun. It's going to be something you could never even imagine. So listen to the wisdom that you all are getting. You're getting it from your peers. You're getting it from your small group leaders. You're getting it from your pastor screaming at you. Pastor PJ literally sometimes <laughs> yelling. And he's doing it because he cares, because he loves you, because he, he wants to see you pursue righteousness just like I do. You got to listen to it. And know that following Jesus is the way to go. So pursue righteousness. Pursue it today while you still have time. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truths. We thank you that we can open up to a book of Proverbs, and it makes it so simple. We know that life is complex, and there are a lot of sin temptations that seem so appealing. They seem so right. It seems like the people that are enticing us care about us, but, Lord, we know that no one cares about us as much as you do. And so, Lord, I just pray that we would think more about the decisions that we make and that we will pursue righteousness in everything that we do, knowing that it, it leads to hope. It leads to an eternity with you. We want to avoid destruction. And the only way to avoid destruction is through Jesus Christ. So help us to be more faithful and more eager and more zealous to pursue you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you guys stand with me? We're going to sing one more song.
to every lesser love, prone to worry, prone to doubt you're in control of every rise and fall. You transcend it all. Sing that again, prone to wander. Prone to wander, prone to give my heart away to every anxious thought, to every lesser love. Prone to worry, prone to doubt you're in control of every rise and fall. You transcend it all. Teach me. Teach me your way, oh Lord. And how walking your truth, commune in my heart. Be you, all I am is yours. Lord, I will praise you. You can have my heart undivided. dismissed to small groups. Hey, ladies, ladies, if you are in Kat's group, then you'll be with Chelsea tonight. That would have been so awkward if there were Oz there. Like, oh, man. 
And if you're new and you don't have a small group, see Pastor Kelly in the back. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what I'll do, but come see me. I don't know. 